episode 36 of the app advice weekly podcast this is your host trevor sheridan of appadvice.com and joining me as usual is my co-host brett nolan of appaddict.net join us this week as we witness a high sierra peak of ios gaming and try to solve the mysteries of space how are you doing today brett i'm doing pretty good this was like an insanely good week for ios games and i it has been a busy week because it's a good week yeah this is probably the busiest week of the year for new games simply because iOS 11 is now available, the App Store is refreshed, and everyone wants to get featured on that front page, especially because the App Store has been redesigned. And so there's some great competition, and that results in great games for us to play. Yeah, I mean, they, and they do a good and really nice job of actually writing about the people making the games and the actual games, where it's more than just like having your icon up there and that little large picture of your game. This is actually like a story that people are going to learn about your game and actually know what it's about and not just have to figure it out from a, from an image. So it is important to be featured now. Yep. And so we're going to get to games eventually, but we're going to start out with the Apple News of the Week, which is Apple released macOS High Sierra on Monday, September 25th. So whenever you do listen to this, it will be available as update on your Mac and it's compatible with every Mac that Sierra was compatible. So if you have an iMac or MacBook, it's 2009 and later. But if you have a MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, Mac Mini, or Mac Pro, it's 2010 and later. So it covers a lot of different Macs. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's free, so you might as well update. It doesn't seem like there's any downside uh, for updating. So the emphasis of High Sierra is pretty much optimizing Sierra. So the big thing is... Apple file system, APFS, which is just going to be four flash storage-based Macs to, you know, rewrite pretty much everything for a more responsive and 64-bit support and all that good stuff. Right, and if it's anything like what we saw when the iOS stuff was switched over to this Apple file system, I seem to gain some free space, so you might even free up a little extra space on your on your Mac once you install this update. And then there's also high-efficiency video encoding. So videos are probably the biggest files you're going to have on your Mac. So this makes for a more optimized storage, you know, better compression without loss of quality. And they have the same thing, HEIF, for photos. One thing worth noting for iOS 11 with photos is that since it uses that, you actually have to go to settings, camera, and then select most compatible if you want to share things on select apps. So if you're using some chat apps and certain sharing things, you need that most compatible setting versus this new optimized system, at least until these apps are updated. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't even, yeah, I discovered didn't it even by think accident. of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, there's the usual kind of things that cross over from iOS. The Siri enhancements are available on the Mac. The updates to photos are compatible. Metal 2 is going to be there. All that good stuff. One kind of, uh, I guess it's just like, there's not like specific against it. The only people against it are kind of ad companies, but Apple's changed Safari, so there's no tracking anymore. And then those full screen kind of autoplay video ads are going to be disabled within Safari. So consumers, it's a win. But I know there was various ad companies that are complaining and trying to tell you how horrible it is that Apple is doing this. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even use Safari. I tend to use Chrome just because it goes across all my devices. I sync everything across. But I mean, that is an appealing aspect of it that those full page video ads are so obnoxious and annoying. And in fact, when I was just bringing up my notes on this, I hit one. So I, I can definitely see the appeal for, for con, at a consumer level to stop these super annoying ads. But uh, on the other hand, then if these sites aren't making money from these ads, then some of them might close down. So it's kind of a, a sticky situation. Yep. And so that's pretty much High Sierra. Like we said at the top, it's free, it's available now, and it's definitely worth picking up. Yeah, it just one last feature I just wanted to highlight was it is going to support that whole iCloud storage family plan. So if you have all your devices on iOS 11 and now you put your Mac on this High Sierra, then you'll be able to, might be able to reduce if you have multiple of those iCloud storage plans for each member of your family. Now you all be able to share, you, maybe you just need the one two terabyte plan. I believe it's two terabytes. Then uh, everyone can share that plan and you can probably reduce down to $9.99 a month versus maybe four $2.99 a month plans that you might be paying for right now. And that's definitely worth noting. And so up next for the Apple news is iPhone X is hurtling along to that October 27th pre-order date and November 3rd availability date. And the problem is that Apple's having a really tough time making these. And it turns out that the bottleneck in production is the whole true depth camera system for Face ID. And it's interesting because that system it's meant to replace Touch ID, so there's it's an edge-to-edge -edge screen. But in doing so, there's a little notch at the top of the iPhone X, and that's probably provided the most kind of complaints and anguish for potential buyers <laughs> is that notch. And then it's actually the bottleneck in production as well. Yeah, it wouldn't be Apple if the most divisive part of their new device is the bottleneck and the thing that's going to cause the problems. I mean, people, it, it kind of reminds me of when we had the the whole bumper having to go on and people were complaining because, oh, well, now it's got this metal ring around the outside. that I don't like that. And so it's always going to be that one part that people have the most problem with that causes the the biggest issues in the end. It just seems to always go that way. Yep. So if you're planning to pre-order it, be ready at 12.01 a.m. Pacific for the second those things go live, because I'm sure the shipping window of November 3rd is going to slip really quick. Right. And remember, that's October 27th when you'll be able to do it. It will be 3 a.m. Eastern time, my time. So I don't know if I'll be staying up or going to sleep and waking up, but I'll be there pressing. I'll be using Safari and the app on my phone at the same time, trying to get in on both of them to see if I can uh, get one of these ordered. Yeah, because luckily there's only two storage configurations and two color configurations. So hopefully that allows for just the four different possibilities to have more production compared to when they have like four colors and three configurations. So maybe that helps a little bit. I'm certainly hoping so. And then one kind of just uh, weekly tidbit I wanted to offer for iOS 11 is the new app offloading. Within iOS 11, if you go to Settings, General, and then iPad Storage or iPhone Storage, depending on what device, you can then enable app offloading. And then once you enable it, you can then select individual apps to offload. So, 
for example, The Witness is a big new app. It's 2.3 gigabytes. We're going to talk about it later, but that's a big thing. So say in a couple months, you're going to have that 2.3 gigabyte size, but you haven't played the game for a while. You can offload it. So then only the documents and all your save data is on your device, but that 2.3 gigabytes is gone. So for today, I tried it on the bunker because I haven't played it since we did it on the podcast. And it was like, 2.85 gigabytes so I was like offload that because I needed to install the witness and then I reinstalled the bunker just to see how it works and as soon as you do you just have to reinstall it from settings and it picked up right where I was it was like the app was never missing off my device so it's a pretty neat feature yeah, that's awesome. I saw that option there, and I wasn't sure exactly what it did, and so that's really cool. I wonder if they have to support iCloud saves in the app in order to do it. I would assume it wouldn't let you offload an app if it wasn't going to be able to save its data. It wouldn't be a selectable choice of something to offload. Yeah, I couldn't check it exactly, but I don't think every app I have installed was on that list. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't know I, I'm what would happen then if out. it if it suggested to do it and then you <laughs> delete it and then you reinstall it and there's no save game process. I'm sure people would be angry. So I'm sure Apple has to have something in place for that. Yeah, I, I mean, over the weekend my phone completely crashed and I had to reinstall everything. It took nine hours to re-download everything from iCloud, so that took a while. But if I can offload on my iPad where I'm like fighting for space all the time, especially when these games are getting bigger and bigger, I'm definitely going to turn that on tonight and and see what I can offload and save a little space. Yep. So that's just a little kind of iOS 11 tidbit. And then it's time for some new apps. And one interesting one this week is Enlight Video Leap, which it's the makers of the Enlight photo editing, but now they're applying the craft of video editing. And the main emphasis is kind of like in light for photos where you're going to change filters, adjust hue and saturation and brightness, but then they have a, a merge section. So in light two has it where you can overlay two photos on top of each other and light video leap and lets you overlay two videos on top of each other. So you could have one background video and then put another video on top of it, adjust the opacity. And then you have two videos simultaneously, which lets you merge and really do all kinds of creative undertakings of video potential. Yeah, I mean, you can really get some cool, neat Hollywood-style effects out of this. Uh, there was some limitations of what you could do with the the free portions of the app. It, it only let you a certain number of layers and, and certain things. But it was, like, there's a lot of stuff to choose from there. And I just tried a few little quick edits on something, and it was super fast and easy to use. Yeah, so it... The entire interface is very similar to Enlight for photos. It's just essentially for videos. And then you have that familiar timeline view, which shows you kind of the multiple layers that you're working with. And then each effect is going to be its own layer. So if you change the color tone or you add a filter, it's an individual layer in your timeline that you can easily get rid of. So that's kind of a nice feature. The one problem that I had was... I was going in trying to test everything out, and it always jumps you back to the menu. So say you added a new sepia tone filter, and then you wanted to add another filter or try a different one, you're back in the main menu, so you have to dive down two layers to get back to there. And I'm not sure why it does that. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that as well. Yeah, it it was kind of 
unuser friendly because especially if you want i guess maybe once you know what you want to go in and put on and maybe you don't necessarily want to do multiple of those right away you want to see what it what it looks like i, I don't know but i did like how you can adjust the the timeline of any one of those effects so you're not putting the filter on the entire video you can kind of just time it to exactly what portion of the video you want to have this effect applied to. And it was a, just a simple tap and drag to, to reduce that size and move the start and end points. The funniest thing for me as I'm diving into this app is that I just finished Twin Peaks Season 3. And if you've ever seen anything that David Lynch has ever done, you know that he loves messing around with special effects. And then as it's changed and progressed as his career's gone on, now you can kind of do what he does right from the comfort of your phone when... In Twin Peaks Season 3, he loves the two things overlaid on top of each other and then the stylized kind of scan lines across the screen or CRT kind of camera adjusting and shutter style. And you have that all available right here in Enlight Video Leap. Nice. And are those like free ones? Because I noticed the way the app is is set up is you have certain ones you can get for free, certain of these filters. And then it looks like you have to pay for like a monthly or uh, either single month, 12 month or a much larger one time fee to unlock all of the content for a certain period of time or forever like it for one month right now it's all 50 percent off probably because the app just launched it's 549 a month or if you do 12 months it goes down to 229 a month or if you want to just outright buy everything and never have to pay again you can either you used to have to pay well theoretically if you're paying 100 percent, it would be 125 dollars. but right now you can pay 63 dollars and you unlock all of the filters forever yeah, it seems like Pro is mainly on adjusting the core video and unlocking as many layers as you want to. If you want to just edit two layers and then focus on standard filters and the glitch effects, then you shouldn't have a problem for free. Okay, but cool. Yeah, that it seems like three ninety nine a month is what they're really pushing right now, where they get you yeah. each month paying it in a Pro subscription. Yeah. And that was our problem with Enlight 2. You know, compared to the original, that was $1.99. Now you introduce this $3.99 monthly pro subscription. And so they have that same idea. But Video Leap, it's brand new for it. So I wonder if it has different ideas rather than having an well, established set price. Well, there is that option to pay that set price. But it's if you've never really... I mean, the app just came out today. And if you have barely experimented with it, then are you willing to drop $63 to just outright own the thing uh, right from the get-go without really knowing how much you're going to use this or exactly uh, that you're going to get enough value from that $63? So I, I wonder how long that 50% is going to stick around. My guess is it's going to stick around for a little while. Uh, just while people try and see if they want to purchase. Yep. So that's Enlight Video Leap. It's free, it's universal, and keep in mind the pro subscription. And that means it's time for the new games that we mentioned off the top. And it's a big, big week. And we'll start off with Thimbleweed Park, which we've seen this game for a while now. It's been coming to iOS, been coming to iOS. Well, now it's finally available. And it's that classic point-and-click adventure style. But in melded into this really, really ornate storyline that has three distinct storylines to play as. So the game starts with a murder's been committed, and you get to play as two 
FBI agents, Ray and Reyes, and they kind of are at odds. You have the old kind of time FBI agent versus the new up-and-comer, and so each one can kind of split off and do their own thing, and you control each one individually, and then you're going to try to figure out this murder. As you go through the town, you interact with the people. The town is, you know, relatively small-sized, and it is, the recessions hit it particularly tough, so it's not like the most bright and uplifting place. And then as you are interacting with the various town folks, it's going to unlock backstories, and those backstories are brand new playable entities where you have new characters to play as all developing the storyline so every part of the story you're going to play through to proceed it forward and then it's always that classic point and click adventure style where you're going to find various items in the environment to interact with and then you have to piece things together from your inventory to then create the solution and keep progressing the storyline yeah, this is absolutely my favorite spoiler favorite game of the week. Like this hit so many perfect notes for me because I grew up playing all of these point and click adventure games and Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick, the guys who created this, are the same ones that did the Monkey Island series and Maniac Mansion, which were ones I played as a kid and loved. And it's this ha even though it's created today, it takes place in 1987 and has like that exact same feel of those beloved games that you grew up with and it has that same style of interaction and when you go through and it's just so cool that you can when you run into one of these other characters kind of the whole thing kind of resets and now you have all of their inventory and you're in their backstory but you're playing it like an actual level of the game and then once you complete all of the tasks you need to do and you always know exactly what you need to do because each time you go on one of these tasks the character has like a, a booklet or a sheet of paper or something that lists little check boxes of all the little things they need to accomplish so you know when you're getting close to finishing a certain character's arc or at least that portion of their arc in order to so you know what you kind of have to aim towards the puzzles are no by no means easy there is a lot of stuff going on in these puzzles and you have to figure out so much stuff uh in order to to progress the story and you're constantly having to go back and forth and and collect things from one area you have to give items between the different characters as well and in the end you end up having i think control over a total of five or six different characters within the game you start off with those two and then you very quickly uh have a third and then two more are introduced as well and it just gets totally crazy by the end with a super satisfying ending and i don't i absolutely love this game yeah, the puzzles are definitely on the challenging side. This isn't the type of game where it's easy to find everything that's available. You're going to have to move through the town and piece everything together. And then it's a lengthy game. I'm not done, but I know you said you were already at 13 hours. I It took me about 13 and a half hours to complete. And that was relying on, in, within the game, there's uh, telephones around and there's a telephone book in a couple of spots you can you can view telephone books 
And there are a whole bunch of numbers in there. Uh, it's all the Kickstarter backers that are in there and other important numbers. But there's always like all around the town, you see these little kind of like the flyers you'd see for someone needing help. And you'd, like they would have the little tabs you can rip off with a phone number so you can call. And if you call that help number any from anywhere in the game, they'll based on what you're trying to solve, they'll try to give you a hint to kind of guide you on your way. When I started the game, you got to choose between uh, either like I played point and click adventure games before or I'm a complete novice and I pick the one that I played before and that adds additional puzzles. So I guess if you choose the other one, it removes some of the puzzles or I don't know exactly what it does. It makes it sound like there's less puzzles you have to solve. And so I said, give me all the puzzles and I went for it. And it definitely took me, I think close to 14. It was like 13 and a half hours but that was using the hint system a few times uh, just because some of the stuff you really have to walk away and then think about it and then come back because your brain has to make certain connections that aren't always immediately obvious. For me, the only kind of real drawback was that there was some sequences that were kind of non sequitur. Like I went and I found the walkthrough online or I used the hint system and once you figure out what it tells you, it's like, I would have never came up with that in a million years <laughs> of stern at this game. That was after taking a day to come back to this one particular sequence. So that was the only kind of drawback for me. I always like to find that common thread that, okay, I would have figured that out. There was a couple where I was completely off balance for me. Yeah, there were there are definitely a few puzzles that are like way out there that, uh, yeah, without the hint, I there's no way I would ever come up with this. But uh, the only thing that I had kind of an annoyance with. So the game is broken up probably into about, I think, eight total chapters. And for the whole first three, you have no way to quickly jump between locations so you're doing a ton of walking around and a ton of like having to walk and travel and travel and yeah it helps you to remember where the stuff is because you constantly have to walk to these places but it, at one point it, I, this is not really a spoiler at one point you end up getting a map that allows you to then quickly jump to locations and i just wish that showed up a lot earlier in the game so that you didn't have to uh take all this time walking 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 but i mean the biggest draw of this game is the humor there's just constant humor throughout the game and it's so well written and there's even an option within the game in the settings menu where you can decide which way you want the toilet paper to appear on the rolls anytime there's a roll of toilet paper in the in the thing so do you like it over or do you like it under and to prevent even come up with that fine of a detail that they probably had to run this thing every both ways and then swap out the art asset, depending on what that setting is. I mean, that's crazy, but it's awesome. And that's the kind of like weird off the wall humor that's just constant in this. And there's references to like, because it takes place in the eighties, they do all kinds of great references to the eighties. And then also just to their own uh, previous games. So if you're familiar with their games, there's all little hint, little kind of inside jokes that appear once in a while. And it's just so much fun to play that even the 13 hours, I never felt bored. I always, even when I was struggling with a puzzle, I was still enjoying myself. There's even the self-awareness that it's a video game itself and the characters within make mentions to the idea of them being in a video game. 
Like, I have a save game. Will this impact me going forward? And stuff like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It's really just excellently done if you like any kind of point-and-click or even story-based kind of adventure. And that's Thimbleweed Park. It's nine ninety nine and it's universal. Yep. And then there's The Witness, which has a puzzle adventure style, but it's not point-and-click. It trends more to the ideas of the room or games like that, where you have kind of that 3D exploration idea, and you're moving through the environment, and you have puzzles that come your way as you kind of explore around. And in this case, you start without really any idea of who your character is, what the setting is, and the game doesn't bother with a tutorial or holding your hand to say, this is how you solve these puzzles. And instead, you kind of just figure it out. You start tapping the screen, you start walking forward, and then you get into these different puzzles. And they've set it up so the puzzles are kind of like a little tiny logic puzzle on your screen, and then you zoom out and you actually go to the world. And you go from these puzzle panels to puzzle panels. And when you solve them, there's this energy cable that goes and leads you to the next panel, which is then going to have the energy transfer on until you unlock doors and gates and various items. And each puzzle is kind of really based around a maze. They build on it and they have more intricate mazes, but... The core idea is this maze where you need to figure out the path forward. There'll be dead ends, and then you'll have mazes where you need to fully encircle the white circles and avoid the black ones, or you need to run over these specific parts of the maze, or you'll have one you'll have kind of inverse mirrored images where you control one path and then another colored path is the mirrored image and you need to get both to the exit point, and then they merge all these mechanics together and then you're just moving, you know, through the world with each of these puzzle solutions. It leads you on and now you're down by a boat dock or you're over in this strange forest and you just keep going and exploring this beautifully rendered 3D environment. Yeah, I love the fact that they do not tell you what you need to do because it puts you in the mindset of the character because they have no clue what's going on. They don't know what's, what they're doing or where they're going, and you get that same sense because now you have to just figure it out along with them. And so you're moving around in this strange world, and even those first puzzles, you have no idea what what am I exactly am I supposed to do? And then once you figure out one, you're like, oh, okay. And then just as you're figuring those out, they add that new element. And now you're like, oh, wait, what's this? How do I solve this? And then you start to solve those. And so I love how it just keeps on building on itself. And you can use this new body of knowledge that you're learning along with the character to continue to drive forward and explore and figure this out as you go. And it's just a massive game, too. I think they say there's like over 500 puzzles in the game. And yeah, it takes maybe only a few moments to, to solve a puzzle, but the world is so massive that you're kind of have to travel around find the next puzzle and yeah sometimes you can follow those glowing cables but other times you might have gotten in an area where you don't really see anything so now you kind of have to walk around till all of a sudden you come along a puzzle and now you have to solve and that will then hopefully lead you to the next and the next and so it's just uh, just the type of thing where you can just get yourself lost in and you just wander around in even if you're not solving puzzles it's just nice to to view the scenery and kind of explore the world around you yeah the world is absolutely beautiful 
to kind of interact with and be a part of. And then part of the puzzle is, like you said, figuring out where the next puzzle is. So you're going to just have some exploration sequences, like where's that next puzzle panel? Okay, I figured this one out. I've completed this full kind of area off down this in this cove over here. But now what? There's no you know, specific path to a next one. So now you have this exploration idea. And then right off the bat, you know, as soon as you get out that first area, you come across these really ornate kind of spectacle scene areas that you don't have access to, but it really makes you intrigued to want to keep proceeding so I can get over to this area and know the mysteries of the game, you know, beyond just solving these puzzles. So you don't have just this self-encompassed level sequence where I solve this puzzle, I'm on, I transition to the next screen. Instead, they're part of the world, and then this world is one that you want to just keep exploring and finding all the mysteries and secrets that, that it with, with it holds. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like when you kind of walk out on the vista and you can see the expanse of the world around you, and you're like, I want to figure out how to get over there because that looks pretty darn cool. And so it just it self like it makes you want to keep going. And it because they give you those glimpses of what else is out there, you know that you like I want to try this or I want to get over there. I need to solve this and keep on moving. Now the only complaint I've seen a few people make on Twitter was people were saying they felt kind of motion sickness with the movement. I didn't really get that. The only thing I wish I could do is I wish there was a a simple gesture to kind of back up rather than having to almost kind of turn around and then walk backwards. I couldn't figure out a simple way to just walk backwards from where I am just kind of if I get a little too close to a puzzle I want to back up so I can view it a little bit better it you almost kind of have to do like a roundabout circle to get yourself in the location where you want to be but I never kind pinch. of if you, pinch, if you pinch okay yeah if you pinch out like zoom out from a map it kind of backtracks okay. to fill the puzzle full screen Okay, I'll try that. But but I did you feel any kind of motion sickness? I really didn't. I, I'm not the person. Like, when people complain that Cloverfield caused motion sickness and stuff like that, I never felt it, so... Okay. I, some people, I guess, are super sensitive that... I don't even know... Before you said that, I couldn't even think of that, because it doesn't seem like it's a... I mean, you double-tap to move or to run, but the camera doesn't seem to be that shaky. It's not like an auto-runner kind of idea. Right, yeah, I guess it's only if you're, like, really doing a lot of movement with your fingers left and right to kind of position things. I don't know. I didn't really notice it, but I, there were more than one person I saw on Twitter uh, mentioning this. Huh. Well, that's another... If you like Puzzle Adventures, this was a great week. And these are two very distinct versions of Puzzle Adventures, but they still have that similar connection of you're figuring stuff out and exploring and not exactly sure what the future is going to hold as you're going through these games. Yep. And so that's The Witness. It's $9.99 and it's universal. And then there's More Fight, which is similar to The Witness in terms of exploring 3D environments, but this time it's a space theme and you get to travel between planets. So there's a mission-based system where you can go to specific planets and complete the missions that Mr. Mason gives you. Or you can kind of have this open world idea and just travel to this planet and explore it just 
however you'd like to. So there's that overarching storyline structure where you're going to figure out exactly what Morphite is and unlock upgrades to your suit and give you specific abilities as you go through. Or you can just go off, you know, do side quests and side missions and just explore these planets that are really ornately crafted and varied. And you have this setup where it's really just all about exploration. So you can scan plant life or animal life that you come across. And then you also have a weapon if animals and various things are hostile towards you. And pretty much the game is what you make of it. It's not like a builder type of Minecraft, whatever you get from it. More kind of like a little bit of Grand Theft Auto open world idea, but set with that space exploration theme. Right, yeah. This immediately, what it reminded me of is No Man's Sky, which is that Hello Games one that came out, I believe it was for the PlayStation. And it was kind of, people were kind of upset because it was promised a whole bunch and then didn't quite deliver. But it's that same sort of low poly graphical style in this. And what you're doing is there's, all these different worlds that you get to explore. You're you're this girl and she's she's going out and her dad, I believe it is, is sending or sort of surrogate dad is sending her yeah. out on these missions to go and uh, scan all of these animals and plant life and bring that information back. And like you said, you're try- figuring out what this morphite is, and you and as you go through the story, that you find out more and more of that. But the the worlds are all randomly generated. So you're not going to necessarily, you and I aren't necessarily going to see the same thing. Uh, so, dep- and you get to choose where you want to fly to next. You start out one, you might not be able to fly to a certain planet because your ship just won't be able to, to survive that. So by scanning all of this stuff, you start to uh, bring back information, that information about different animals and plants can be used to help develop better uh clothing for you or or ship upgrades and things and so it is it's like an a sandbox setup where it's it's exactly what you said it's what you make of the game because i can definitely see some people saying oh i thought this was going to be more structured and i i just i don't like this type of game uh i i don't like where there's no real structure and i i have to figure it out but I mean, it does do have some. If as you're going through this, this story, there is some stuff. But you can spend forever and a day just kind of walking around and looking around, and never really getting to that next point in the story, until eventually you wander upon it. So if you're looking for a game that's like point go to point A to point B to point C, this is not that style of game. This is the sandbox where you get to wander and take your time. And I enjoyed it. I think it's kind of like a, a Zen feeling almost, especially where you're doing a lot of scanning and maybe less fighting. There are certain animals when you try to go scan them, they start running right at you. And so you either have to scan and run backwards, make sure you have enough room to back up and hopefully get your scan finished in time. Or you just have to whip out the gun and take the thing down before it starts hardening you. So, uh, that's not that Zen, but the rest of the game is pretty Zen. Uh, but I don't know. I, I kind of enjoyed it. It was different than I expected, but I, I still thought it was like a nice change of pace, especially coming from the other two games this week where uh, they were more structured and this kind of just felt more freeing where you just went and did whatever you wanted. Yeah, No Man's Sky is a good comparison. It's not to that scale, 
but then it's on iOS and it delivers, you know, so it still has that structure. There is a thread you can follow through the entire game and just kind of ignore that whole star map. But when you see that star map and just how many different planets there are to explore and you start landing on them, you see how much went into designing this game where each planet, you know, it's not like, oh, it's a different color. It's now red themed. It's like a different planet. There's different things on it. There's different rock layouts and these hidden temples and kind of space mysteries to unravel and explore. And there's just so much to do in More Fight that if you like any kind of space idea, you're really going to enjoy moving around and just being in more fight right again there were even space battles you could get into like it was it was not like super overwhelming like it was pretty rudimentary the the shooting and fighting like it's not not overwhelming like you're gonna be flying around doing like rollovers and things you're just kind of going left and right and aiming at the flying around aiming at the ship that's coming at you and firing but there's so much, so many different facets of the game. Depending on what you like about sci-fi, there's bound to be something within this game that'll kind of appeal to you. And again, like any of these titles this week, they offer so many hours. Yes, they're granted they're expensive titles, but the amount of hours that you can spend playing these things is well worth the money. Like finally. We see premium titles, but they may not be worth it because they're just these quick, forgettable things. But there's so much depth to all these games this week that they are definitely worthy of their price tags. Yeah, you're talking about a dozen hours for 10 bucks when a movie is only two hours and it's like seven to 10 bucks or higher, depending on what time of day you go. Yep. And so that's More Fight. It's $7.99. It's Universal. And then there's Flatpak. It's the latest game from Natromi, and it's an augmented reality game, but there's it's like an optional mode. They have the standard kind of regular game that you could play without worrying about augmented reality. And so it's a 2D platformer that's set in a 3D world where essentially you're playing on the face of a 3D object. So think about just a cube. You're on one side, and then you do your little 2D platforming. You reach the edge... And now you flip to the other side of the cube and there's a whole new 2D platformer sequence to kind of go through. And then those 3D objects are going to become way more advanced than a simple cube. So you have multiple faces to play on. And then each one, you have to explore the level to find these little gold glowing segments. You pick those up and you need to find as many as there are number of sides of the 3D object to complete it and reach the exit point. And so it's a really interesting twist where you have a familiar kind of classic retro style platformer, but developed into this different kind of 3D exploration of an, all these multiple faces of different objects. Yeah, I didn't even play this in 2D mode. I figure if I'm going in, I'm going a whole hog and going for the AR setup. <laughs> and that was... So bizarre. You need a lot of room, first off, because you have to walk around this object that's in the center of your room. As the character moves onto that next side of the cube, you might have to duck down. You might have to kind of squat. You have to lean over and just try to make sure you're viewing it from the right angle just so that you can see where he is and make sure he's not going to walk into danger 
and then you know where to jump or or kind of quickly get him to move across before like fireballs come at him or some other giant tiki thing comes rolling through and so it's it's a really interesting way to play a platformer and it's it was kind of awkward just because I'm I can't support AR on my phone so I'm forced to use my iPad and I'm carrying this big thing around so every once in a while I would lose like sight of where the where the board was and like then I have to like pan around the room to find it again and then one nice thing they did offer was you could tap a button to kind of recenter and reget your the the playing board back to in front of you. So like for some reason it really got out of whack. You can kind of recalibrate it and get it proper again. And it was just a simple tap to do that. So it was a very neat thing. I don't know that I really want to play the entire game that way. It's kind of exhausting, but uh, I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, the augmented reality mode, it was one that definitely stood out. So you can play the full game without AR, like I mentioned, but then once you enable it, it really is a different way to play a platformer, though you do need a lot of room. Like you said, I had to go outside in my front yard to actually get a good angle, and you thought you had a big iPad. I have the iPad Pro I was trying to do the AR with. <laughs> <laughs> and you're walking around the huge object, so it wasn't the easiest way to play with the left-right buttons and the jump button while you're trying to walk around, but it's really neat that they can make a game where you shift your perspective by literally walking around. So you're playing a platformer, and you have to move along with your character to see the new side of the level and find that new 2D platforming portion to play. It's not just swiping the camera. It's a different way to play. Right, yeah, and you have to move with him. Otherwise, he's going into unknown territory, and he could get killed right when he walks off the screen. So you really have to stay with him. So, And the thing I did like is you do kind of have a reprieve in this game because you can keep on tapping, and he'll float. And so at least usually that's enough to keep him out of harm's way, at least for the first few levels it was. Uh, later levels, that might dive him right into danger when he goes around the corner. But normally what I did was I'd f- kind of have him go around. I'd try to follow him. But even if I didn't, I'd just keep tapping to make sure he was above anything, hopefully, that was going to hurt him. And that generally seemed to work. I assume it's going to stop, but uh, we'll see. But definitely one to try if you're curious about the ar this definitely uses does a really nice job of implementing it yep and so that's flat pack it's free it's universal and then this week was so big that really we've talked about some great games and there were still some other ones that came out nba 2k18 is the latest installment of full-on five-on-five basketball simulation from 2k and this year they introduced uh, franchise mode so instead of just playing a single season you can play multiple seasons like on the console yeah and then uh, another one was uh the journey down the third chapter of that i i've talked about it on on the podcast before they it's this afrocentric uh, point-and-click adventure game series. I haven't even started this one yet because I, I was so busy with everything else, but I am super excited. This is the final uh, chapter in the story, so if you played the first two, this this will finish the, the whole tale, and definitely want to check that one out. Uh, that's six ninety nine. That was a universal app. And then there's another Lost Phone where we talked about the first installment 
where essentially the game replicates a phone and you have to dive through, you know, email and text messages and photos to figure out who this phone belonged to and their entire story. And so now another lost phone is Laura's story. So it's a whole new character's phone to dive into with a similar kind of investigative setup. Right, yeah, it's a different interface on the phones, and but it's that same sort of thing where you're hunting down, trying to figure out how to unlock certain areas of the phone, diving into emails, text messages, going into other apps. It's it's a really neat. I'm I've just started it, but I've kind of unlocked a few of the secrets and digging deeper and deeper into the story and figuring out uh, what's unique about about Laura and uh, how she's different from the characters from the original one. And so it's just it's a really interesting way to tell the story because it, you feel kind of wrong for having this person's phone that it, it's not your phone. And yet you're intrigued to figure out more and find out what happened to this person or why this phone was lost. Yep. And so that's another lost phone. It's two ninety nine and it's universal. And I think that's everything for episode thirty six. Yeah, one last thing I just want to mention is today Hasbro and Harmonix launched uh, Drop Mix, which is that new kind of like a hybrid card battling game, and it uses an app on your device, whether that's an iPad, Android uh, device, phone, whatever. And it's just this really cool thing where you're making song mixes by playing cards and you're battling to be the first person to get to 21 points. And they have modes that allow you to play one versus one, one versus two, two versus two, or even cooperatively. And so that just launches like a $900 core kit to get the the little machine that you're laying the cards down on that works with your device but definitely check that out if you if you're at like a toys r us or or store they probably have demos and uh it it, i tried it out this weekend and it was really cool as long as the bankruptcy doesn't hurt the nearest toys r us to you true well maybe you should go buy it now so that you can save the toys r us yep and so that is everything for episode 36 brett thanks for joining me Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure as always. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.